Awesome. Okay, so here's the series. Um, launching a brand new series we're really excited about for Easter. Obviously, this is Easter month, and so there's so much in that. And so we're going to have some fun stuff um, and some really significant stuff. Uh, we're going to be able to take communion for the first time as a church this month, and uh, we're excited about that. And so really, really good month for you to stay connected to. Um, we have this week, and then we have next week, and then we have Easter, and then we have Nate's band here. So just a, a loaded uh, month here uh, to really be connected to. And so the series here is this. Jesus said all throughout scripture, he said, I am. So he said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. I am the light of the world, all of these I am's. And so those aren't statements and then period, statement, period, closed discussion. What those are is those are promises about his attributes for our lives. So when he says, I'm the good shepherd, he's not just making a statement. He's saying that because he is those things, we have access to those attributes, So he's a shepherd of our lives. Because he is a good shepherd, he can therefore then be the shepherd of our lives. Or when he says, he's the light of the world, I am the light of the world, that's not just a statement. That's an open door for us to be able to use God as the light of our world. Somebody say amen. And so we're going to take a look in Scripture over the next couple weeks of the attributes that Jesus is and how it applies to our life. And uh, we'll have some fun with it this week uh, because we're going to play with one of the most famous Scriptures uh, in all of Scripture which is Psalm 23. Uh, probably a lot of you could, uh, could quote it or quote a lot of it, but we'll dig into it and see what it means to be a good shepherd or for Jesus to be the shepherd of our life. He said, I am the shepherd or I am the good shepherd. And uh, so what does that mean for us? So to take a look at that, why don't you guys all turn to Psalm 23, verse one. I'm gonna jump back and forth between um, the NIV version and the New King James version. I typically read the NIV uh, I don't really have like a one is better than the other. It's really just a personal preference. Uh, so whatever you're most comfortable with, um, go with. And so I don't want you to think, well, church usually reads it like this or reads it like this. I read most of my Bible stuff on my iPad and on my phone because I can make highlights and categorize them. And what's cool about your Bible or your iPad app is, um, I mean, there's literally hundreds of translations. And so when a scripture really hits me, I will pull up you know, all the different translations. And uh, it's interesting to check out all the interpretation of it. And so uh, let's start reading here. And uh, I'm going to read all of it. And then I'm going to go back and break a few pieces of it down. And then we'll, um, and then we'll jump into the rest of the meat of the message. So Psalm 23, verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you're in a place in your life where you just need some encouragement every day, Make Psalm 23 your scripture for the next couple of weeks. Get up in the morning or wherever you are or print it, put it on the mirror. But to get up there and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. You start speaking all that stuff out over your life every day. How I many you know it's going to get better quick? Amen? So let's play with this just a little bit. And this is actually going to be a two-part sermon. I don't normally ever do this, but uh, when we were writing and putting all this stuff together, I was like, there's no way 
we're going to be able to get it all in one. So it's kind of a to be continued. Uh, so we'll just kind of drop off where we need to drop off this week and pick up the rest next week. So I want to play with this just a little bit. And then, uh, and like I said, then we'll get into the meat of it. So start back at verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Bold, right there, very clear. So when the Lord is your shepherd and you lack nothing, again, it reiterates, and we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, our posture and our place in life with God as our shepherd is one that should be grateful. Right away, it's saying, with the Lord as our shepherd, I lack nothing, therefore I should be grateful in what I have. Amen? Uh, Because he's my shepherd, I lack nothing. Christ alone as my shepherd is everything that I need, and I should be grateful in that. Verse 2, he makes me lay down, lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Again, he says he makes me lie down in green pastures. There are seasons in your life when you're walking with the good shepherd, when you're with God, that you're called to stay. In our culture and in our society, we're so quick to be on the move, be on the move, be on the move. I never noticed it more than just now when we were traveling in Florida. You know, it was interesting to watch as we had a baby uh, on the plane, which I know a lot of us see a baby come on the plane and we think, oh, here we go. But it was interesting how people would throw elbows and bump and push, even though I have a kid. Why? Because our culture is not very good at laying down in the green pastures of where they are and appreciating and being grateful for all that they've been given. Amen. It's this hustle and it's this rat race and it's this thing. And so this reminder of we have this Lord who is our shepherd and we lack nothing. And it should cause us in our life to be in a place where we say, you know what, I'm grateful for this. I'm content in these pastures. And uh, going with that only reiterates the pace that I'm talking about, it says he leads me besides quiet waters. So we have this shepherd who leads us. We lack nothing. He causes us to be grateful and lay down where we are. But then it says he also leads us along quiet waters because it's important for us to, as we lack nothing, as we lay down in green pastures, it's important for us to have times of quietness with the shepherd. It's important for us to to walk in places that are quiet waters. Uh, it's again, so easy for us to be on the move and always have noise. And how many of you noticed this morning when the audio cut out of the, uh, the last 30 seconds of the countdown, we all went like awkward, right? Cause it was so quiet. How many of you, uh, notice that every single restaurant you go to, what do they have? Blaring music because our culture has become so comfortable in chaos and noise. Uh, and I'll do the same thing. You know, it's really awkward for me, um, my parents, if we ride with them, uh, they won't have the radio on. And I literally just want to throw myself out of the car because I'm so uncomfortable. And uh, not because I'm uncomfortable with my parents or anything, but it's so weird uh, just hearing the car go with no, mo- no music. And uh, because our culture, we just always have music. Or how many of you go home and you turn on the TV and you're not watching it, it's just you want it on. Um, so the scripture is talking about it's important for us as we have this understanding that we lack nothing and he makes us lie down in green pastures because sometimes where we are, we need to be grateful for. He also leads us in quiet waters, places that are quiet where we're near him. Um, why? Because it refreshes our soul. When we do those things, he refreshes our soul. He gives us that refresh. Some of us on burnout and you just feel toasted and you're, it's because you haven't done those things. You haven't come to a place where you understand that you lack nothing and he's caused you to lie down and be okay with where you are and that he leads you besides quiet waters to refresh refresh your soul. It says he guides me along the right paths 
for his name's sake. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. When God leads us in places of promotion or the right paths, when God puts you on the right path or the successful path, it's not for you. It's for his name's sake. Somebody say amen. So he does all of those things and puts us and leads us on the right path to bring him glory. Amen. And then it says in verse four, even though I walk through the valley. So even though I walk through the valley, we got to get that. Even though I walk through the valley, you go through the valley. So many times in Christianity, we read all these Christian books and your best life now and all this ways to prosper and all this kind of stuff. And all of those books, theology or how to live your best life and not ever walk through a valley of the shadow of death. We set up these cultures of how we can escape all this stuff. Like there is no walking through times of tribulation or discouragement or frustration. But the Psalms say we have a shepherd that helps us walk through those seasons. Somebody say amen. Uh, It says that he guides me along. uh, So we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so it's saying, I will fear no evil, meaning our response to evil is that we don't have fear about it. How many of you could honestly say in our conspiracy theory culture that we live in, uh, I spent a bunch of time in an airport this week, and they were stupid enough to have CNN on all the time, and all they talked about was this plane that they couldn't find, and I'm going to get on a plane. Uh, so, but you, you listen to culture, or you, you, know, you walk through the valley of some of the culture we're dealing with, people say, well, the plane was a, was a trap and they stole the box and they're going to do this thing. And there's all of this wars and rumors of wars like the Bible's talking about uh, where all this evil is present in our lives and you hear all of the things that are being debated in court and all this kind of stuff is taking place. And uh, it would be easy for us to fear evil. Say, oh, I don't know, as Christians, you know, we're, seems like, seems like we don't have a voice anymore. Seems like we don't have a, I'm, I'm going to fear, you know, I just, you start fearing evil, but the scripture's saying when you're walking through it, you have the ability to fear no evil when you have a good shepherd. Somebody say amen. And then it says, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is one that's hard to handle because a lot of times in scripture, uh, or a lot of times with the shepherd, the rod and the staff, those are correctional tools. Those are to keep you nudged and knotted and on pace. And, on t- and it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And a lot of times when God, you know, our good shepherd, you know, kind of nudges and directs and uses the rod and the staff, we don't see that as comfortable. We wouldn't say, well, you know, God is, he's leading me in this and he's directing me in this and he's correcting me in this and he's steered me from here to here. A lot of times we say, oh, this is so comfortable. God is just changing up my life and called me to something. I'm so comfortable. But the scripture saying when we have an understanding of our good shepherd, And the way that he leads us, those types of nudges should be something that we can be comfortable with because he leads us through the valleys. We don't fear evil, and we know that his correction and his leading is actually something that should comfort us. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's saying you have the ability It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. It says that you have the ability then to feast when you're facing your enemies. How many of you know uh, when you sit down to eat, uh, you sit down and that's a time to relax. You sit down and you eat and you have a thing and you, you sort of lose the distractions of all the day. It's saying you have the ability for God to provide for you and for you to feast even in the presence of your enemy. Somebody say that's good. 
But a lot of times in the presence of our enemy, we don't do that. We start hoarding. We don't, we don't start feasting. We don't start, we say, oh, I better preserve over here and I don't trust God, so I better hold on to this thing and I, and I grip on this thing. And we, and we get so controlling or we, we, we lose the fact that God is our shepherd and he's the one preparing the feast and we put it all on what we can do. And God is saying, when you understand that he's preparing a table and a feast for you, he's got you taken care of even when you're in an enemy season. Everybody say right on. And then surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so we, as we understand all these things, we know that God is with us. He's always following along with us, leading us, a part of what we're doing, and that for all the days of our lives, uh, he's good to us, and his mercy follows all the days of our life. We'll dwell in the house or the place of the Lord. Everybody say, got it. So this Psalm 23 and John 3.16 are probably the two most famous verses in Scripture. And uh, we're going to just play with the Psalm 23 a little bit. But before we do, we know that Scripture was written to a Jewish mindset, which uh, a lot of, well, most of the time, not only would they read the text, but they then would uh, try to dissect or tear apart the story. They taught in picture a lot. So that's why when you would get a parable, or a lot of times you hear the teachings have to say uh, a farmer or the kingdom of God is like, and they would give these parables. Why? Because the Jewish mind was taught to interpret and tear down and get the full meaning. So here, when David writes about shepherds and leading and all this kind of stuff, what he's doing is he's unlocking their thought patterns of a shepherd and, and sheep and all of those characteristics. So they'll not only take the words, but they'll look into the backstories. Oh, he mentioned a shepherd. Here's a characteristic of a shepherd. Oh, he mentioned sheep. Here's the characteristics of sheep. Instead of just le- reading it line upon line, they dug into everything at the next level and pulled the characteristics of the characters mentioned to give them more of an understanding. And so we'll do the same thing this morning. We'll dig a little deeper into the shepherd sheep thing, and then we'll finish it up next week. So Psalm 23 explains the need for a shepherd in our lives. David wrote this psalm. So what we just read, David wrote this psalm, Psalm 23. And all of you know that David uh, was a shepherd. We all know that David was a shepherd boy, and he, he tended to the, the flock. And uh, you guys all know the story. He defeated the bear, and he defeated the lion, uh, lion. Uh, and he did all those things as a shepherd that prepared him to be a king. And uh, so we all know that the mindset of Psalm 23 here then comes from somebody who went from shepherd to king. And he's saying these truths as a shepherd also apply to truths as someone who's a king over much. And so these principles work through every area of life. Everybody say, I got it. And I just want to say this too. Some of you would say about our seasons that, oh, you know, I'm just the shepherd boy right now picking up the droppings. You know what I'm saying? You all feel that season where you're just the droppings picker upper. (laughs) You're kind of going through the stuff, if you know what I'm saying. But King David here saw those years as valuable enough to write this psalm about it because there's a lot to harvest from your season of picking up droppings. Somebody say amen. And I think we're so quick to get to the king side of it, but there's a lot of truth in the shepherding, picking up the stuff side of it, amen? And the key is to hold on to the truths of that season. Like the scripture says, faithful in little, I'll make you faithful in much. And so it's good for us to know that even in the seasons of having to pick up things, um, it's what promotes you. 
uh, my first job ever was in uh, Hudsonville, uh, the family fair on uh, Cherry Street, so over by the Secretary of State, and I was 15 or 16, and I got a job at, uh, in the bakery department, and uh, my first job was cleaning the floors, uh, well, cleaning up. So all day, they would, they would make the cake and get the sprinkles on the floor and the frosting, all this kind of stuff. So they'd make the donuts, make a mess, and I would come at night, and I would mark down the bread and then clean everything up. And uh, there was this lady that worked there. Her name will not be mentioned in case you know her, but she was the worst person in the world. And um, <laughs> she was very, um, very serious about the bakery. And, uh, and, and she had been in the bakery business for a very long time. And I was 16 years old, and I could care less about the bakery business. I just wanted a job. And, uh, and so anyway, she was much, much older. And, uh, and so we didn't get along, and that was my fault. And... Uh, and so her critiques were just insane. Um, so I would clean, and, uh, and you had to clean out the donut racks and all this kind of stuff. And she would come up to me and uh, the next day, and she would say, you know, I found this sprinkle. <laughs> like, just the dumbest things, these little, like, and I had a huge, just hard time with it. And, uh, and so I was telling my dad, I was like, Dad, you know, this lady is driving me crazy. And, uh, you know, I just, anyway. And he said, well, and my dad, he, he's always just famous for, he can say something you already know, but the way that he says it, it's like just truth. And so you're just like, well, yeah. So he gave me the, uh, he said, you know what, Josh? He said, you need to stop doing that work like you're doing it unto her or unto the grocery store. Or unto, and you just go in there and you just do all that work like you're doing it unto the Lord. Like it's God's bakery and you're going in there, you're cleaning up his sprinkles and, uh, and all that. And uh, so I said, well, that's true. Okay, I'll do that. I'll do my work unto the Lord and, and he'll bless me. And so so went in with a different mindset and did that and just went in and, and my heart was different and I just started everything under the Lord. So I'd be frustrated with some things. I was like, you know what, God, I'm doing this work unto you. I'm being a good steward, all this kind of stuff. And um, started to see turnaround. And uh, what was interesting was God then started to give me a passion and a desire and um, ideas for the bakery. Uh, again, I was never like, oh, I'm the bakery guy. Uh, but I just started seeing things and whatever. And so started to talking to the, the store director and working on other things and advancing and uh, Eventually, uh, the store director came down to me, and I was 18 years old at the time, and said, hey, we just let your boss go. You know, we just let the lady go. And I said, oh, no. Are you serious? I'm so sad. Uh, I didn't say that. And then she shocked me and said, uh, the store director said, we think you should run the whole department. We think you should run the whole department. And uh, I was the youngest Spartan store manager uh, in its history, not because I was good at bakery or like had a passion for cupcakes. Uh, I don't even like those sweets. Actually, my junk food is like onion rings and, and that kind of thing and potato chips and that stuff. So don't get me a gift card to the bakery. Get me uh, somewhere where I can get some deep fried something. But um, and then my wife will take it away from me. And so my wife is so sweet. Uh, this church planning thing, all of you, I blame for this. Uh, we've been getting up here since we planted the church and saying, uh, oh, we want to meet with you and get dinner and get coffee and whatever. Well, my wife and I, we stink and eat out three times a day. And so now I've like put on 20 pounds. And my wife is so sweet about uh, instead of me having a 20-ounce soda, uh, she'll go to the store and come back. And now they're the mini 8-ounce ones. <laughs> All of a sudden, those are stocked. I'm like, what does that mean? You know. So anyway, so my junk food is, is other than bakery. So anyway, what I found 
was in your life, in your picking up the stuff season, if you can keep your mindset, you're not doing this onto the person over you. You're not doing this onto the person who's calling the shots or whatever, all of your seasons of life. Um, when you raise your kids, when you honor your husband, when you take care of your wife, all those things, you're not doing it unto them. You, you do those things unto God, and he blesses those in those seasons. Amen? And so uh, the season of shepherd to king, um, there's, a lot, there's a lot to learn from there. And uh, we also know that scriptures call every believer a sheep. We know that, and I won't, we won't turn there, but we're all called sheep. You know, God is our shepherd, and so we're sheep. And uh, here's a philosophy that we live by here at the church is that Jesus said in Scripture, feed my lambs before he said, take care of my sheep. Uh, So we believe that God's design is for us to take care of the kids just as much as it is to take care of the adults. Somebody say amen. He said, feed my lambs, feed the young ones. And so we as a vertical church will always do everything that it takes to meet the needs of the kids because they're just as important. Somebody say right on. So John 10, 14 is kind of where we're pulling some of this. And uh, then when we, when we run out of time, we'll just pick it up next week. So don't miss, we, miss next week, or you'll have like an unfinished sermon. And uh, I think that's qualification for going to hell. Is that right? I think if you have a, yeah, yeah, they said it's, that's what happens. So I really wouldn't miss next week. Uh, just, I'm kidding. No, that's worse. If you listen to it online, that's like another thing. So uh, John 10, 14. Yes, for those of you that don't know, if you go on soundcloud.com and search Vertical Church, uh, our logo will pull up. You can listen to our sermons online. Or if you have an eye, a tablet or a smartphone, you can download the SoundCloud app and you can put in Vertical Church. I think we're like the fifth one down and you can listen to our sermons on there. So if you miss, yes, you can um, listen to it online, but you'll still go to hell. So anyway, <laughs> if it makes you feel better while you're here, that's fine. Um, John ten fourteen is where we pull this, the I am says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Uh, I'm so thankful that we have a God who says, not only is it possible for me to know you, but he wants to make sure that we have a kind of relationship that we know him. He's not this angry lightning bolt throwing God up in heaven who says, I'm the God, you're the sheep, you do what I say. No, he's saying, we, I am a God. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. We're in this thing together. Even though like last week we talked about he's Lord and he's God and he's over everything and he's the ultimate authority, but he wants to be in relationship with us. Somebody say amen. So Jesus is saying that he's here for us. As the good shepherd, as Christ, he's here for you. He's interested in your life. He wants to be a part of everything that you do on a daily basis. As the shepherd, he wants to be involved. If we go back to the sheep and the, and the crowd, and the, he wants to be involved in the atmosphere of the sheep. And so he's making sure the bears aren't coming. He's making sure all this kind of stuff. He's staying and, and herding and moving and, and keeping things going in the herd. Why? Because he cares about his sheep. And it's the same thing in our life with your kids and your marriage and your jobs and your community. We have a shepherd who's interested in keeping things moving along and progressing and going forward. Amen? So he lays down his life for us. Uh, to be a shepherd was a dangerous thing. That's why it's mentioned about David that it was such a big deal that he killed the bear and killed the lion and, and had those victories because a lot of shepherds went down in the fight. You know, a lot of shepherds couldn't defend or, or, or lost lives. And so as a shepherd, 
He's putting his life on the line as we know Jesus did, died on the cross for us. So that part has already come true. He's laid down his life in whole for us. And uh, so think about it. Every thought, every worry, every pressure, fear, doubt, sickness, disease, every burden, every tribulation, God, Jesus, our good shepherd, cares about those. And, and he's put himself in a position to be able to help you and lay down his life for you in every area of your life. It's too bad too often we almost have this mindset of, God, where are you? God, you're not with me in this situation. God, why didn't you work this out better? Uh, he's the good shepherd. He sees it more than you do. You know, the sheep may be over here as a herd. Oh, we want to be over here by this thing. This is where we want to be. But the shepherd sees what's on the other side of the tree about to get him. And so he nudges him over here. He says, no, 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 you don't want to be here. You actually want to be here. Because why? He sees more than we see. Somebody say amen. So he's for you. Jesus laid down his life for us. A lot of times we forget why Jesus came. Check this out. A lot of times we forget why Jesus came. The scripture says that he was wounded for our transgressions, not his. Je Jesus was perfect. He was in everything. So when, he, so when he went to the cross, there was no more benefiting that he could do. He was God. He was in heaven. He was, he was perfect, lived the perfect life. He, had. he went to the cross for us, as we all know. Uh, he went to the cross for us. The scripture says he was wounded for our transgressions. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins. He took on our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live righteousness, live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. I'll read it again. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Check this out about this scripture. This scripture is for now. This isn't for heaven. A lot of times we say, well, he died on the cross so that we can become believers and we can all go to heaven. The scripture says right there that he went to the cross that we might die to our sins and live for righteousness. What he did on the cross isn't just for us to go to heaven. It's for us to live our best life now while we're here. Amen. And so on the cross, whenever it mentions the things that he did. So when it says that he died on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness, when it says that we might do those things, it means you have the ability to do those things. So you say, oh, I don't know if I can live a life dead to sins and live for righteousness. I don't know if I can do that. If the scripture implies that there's a chance, it means that there's a chance. Somebody say amen. And so every day we have to live in a way that we say, God, today I want to die to sins. I want to live righteously because you died on the cross and made it possible for me to live that way. Everybody say that's good. Does it make sense? Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. So the scripture here is saying this, we've all gone astray, we've all turned our own way, and all of our iniquities God put on his son Jesus that he may pay those. And uh, it says we've gone astray. How many of you know we've all gone astray? Uh, quick story here. My brother was returning a tux uh, here in Holland, and uh, my brother's two years younger than me, and uh, he was returning this tux in Holland, and he got going the wrong way on a one-way street. And uh, this was back when you had, uh, like, the Nextel phones. And he was talking to me, and uh, so he's, you know, chirping me or whatever, and he says, dude, it's weird. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the tux shop, and, uh, and everyone's waving at me. Everybody's like, <laughs> everybody's, I'm at a light, and people are, like, waving. 
And uh, anyway, a police finally caught up to him and pulled him over and said, uh, hey, you know, like, what are you doing? And my brother was like, I am not speeding, you know, because, like, he was checking. Are they, and uh, he said, yeah, but you're going the wrong way. You've gone astray on your route here. You're going the wrong way. And I thought about us. How often is it that we go astray? And that's us. We're just astray. And God has all these warning signs of people like, hey. And we're just like, man, it's so crazy. Everybody around here, they just, they've lost their mind. I'm going the right way. They're all going crazy. And uh, how often do we do that? It says like, we've all gone astray. And we get stubborn in this idea of, no, this is the right way. And we don't submit our lives to God. And we don't submit our finances. And we don't submit our thinking. And we don't submit our habits. And we don't submit those things to God, and we continue to stay astray while everything else around us is just going, stop. It's bad what you're doing. It's going to hurt you in the end. This isn't the way. And so when it says that we've gone astray, or when, when the scripture says, like sheep, we've all gone astray, each of us has turned our own way, it says that the, Jesus died, our good shepherd died, and put those things on him so that we don't have to live that way. We can have his guidance and his leadership and, uh, and we don't have to live that way, amen? And then like every, like every good man does when they get lost, you have to admit that you're lost. You have to admit that you've gone astray. That's a huge part of it. Two things you have to do to find your way back. Number one, you have to admit that you need help. Uh, I've gone astray in this area of my life. I recognize it, admit it, and then get ready to change it. For some of you, that means you need to tell somebody and you say, I've gone astray, I need some help here. Um, help me in this. I need struggle. Or for some of you, it's literally just putting in boundaries um, to to help you. Uh, fasting is a great way to do that. You go on a fast. You say, uh, for this amount of time, because I've gone astray, I'm going to fast from this, or I'm going to put this down, or I'm going to do this. And um, we're good with that. That's a good thing to do. You say, you know, I'm going to make sure that God is the center of everything because I don't want to live astray. And then number two is you have to allow the help to become a part of your life. When you've gone astray, a lot of times we'll admit, I've gone astray, I've messed up, I'm off course, I need help. But then when the help comes, we bucket the whole time or we resist it. And help comes in and says, hey, we're here to help. And we think you need to adjust this and do this. Oh, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I need help, but I'm not doing that. Because admitting help, admitting you need help, but not actually doing anything about it doesn't do you any good. So you have to admit it, and then you have to allow the help into your life. And that's what God is here to do. That's what the good shepherd is here to do. Admit your need for God as a shepherd in your life, and he will lead you. Um, That's why the scripture says that his word, the Bible, the scripture, the teachings, are it's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. It's our our guide. Uh, And so allow the word of God, allow the principles into your life to keep you herded and shepherd where you need to be. And uh, God will promote you. Amen. Why don't we stand?